Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. everybody. It's good to see everybody here back for another episode, edition of our Thursday night Parashat HaShavua class. Tonight we are studying Parashat Vayhi, the last parasha of Sefer Bereshit. Tonight you were sponsored by the Al-Malech family in memory of their grandfather, Yaish Al-Malech Tichnoi Vacha, and as well as by Mr. Jack Assessin family in memory of his father, Shlomo Assessin, the words of Torah that we say tonight, Bi la'ilu nishmatam, Vayhi is known obviously for the end of Yaakov's life, Vayhi Yaakov, Eretz Mitzrayim, that took place in Mitzrayim. And um, a big chunk of the parasha deals with the beautiful blessings that Yaakov gave to each one of his children prior to his death. Um, I say beautiful, and I put that in quotation marks, not everybody got a beautiful blessing. Some of them, uh, Shimon and Levi in particular, uh, may, you know, if they had to do things over again after getting the blessing from Yaakov, maybe they would have uh, you know, thought differently when it came to the, the annihilation of the city of Shechem. And uh, the blessing clearly demonstrated Yaakov's dis- displeasure. But uh, there are many Chachamim that, um, that uh, construed that blessing as to something more positive, nevertheless. Um, but one of the things that I wanted to focus on tonight is the partnership between Yisachar and Zebulun. The partnership between these two brothers, the, uh, whose merit really sustains us to this very day. Um, we, as, we, as we wait for Mashiach to come, all we have left is the Torah, and in the merit of our dedication towards the study of the Torah, we will see that final Geulah. The Orachim HaKadosh says very clearly in Parashat Tesaveh that the final Geulah will come as a result, the merit of Torah study. And it is, it is clear that you look around the world, there's never, been, there's never been so many studiers of Torah in history than there are now. Yet, yes, a person can argue maybe the quality of Torah isn't the same as previous generations. I don't think that's uh, a secret. I think it's well known. Nevertheless, there are so many people. Torah is so accessible today whether through online, virtually, English translations, French translations, you name it, translations everywhere. Every person has the opportunity to study Torah, and that's what's going to bring the Mashiach. And um, I want to I focus tonight on the blessing that Yaakov Avinu gives Zebulun. Zebulun is the, the, the benefactor of Yisachar, he is the pill, who is the pillar of Torah. Yaakov Avinu says, Zebulun... Lechof yamim yishkon. Zevulun shall dwell by the seashores. Vehu lechof oniot, and he shall be at the ship's harbor. Ve'yarchato al Sidon, and his end is at Sidon. Um, Rashi says that that he will constantly be found at the on, on the on the shore of the ships, at the harbor where the ships bring the merchandise. Zevulun is a person that engages in business. He engages in commerce. He provides. He provides sustenance and food not only for his own tribe, 
but as well for the tribe of Yisachar, while they would be the ones engaging in Torah. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu uh, said at the end of his life, when he blessed all the tribes, he said, Rejoice, Zevulun, in your going out, and you're going forth, and Yisachar in your tents, meaning Zevulun would be the ones to go outside and engage in business, and Yisachar would be the ones that remain indoors to study Torah. And this very holy partnership between Yisachar and Zevulun really represents the, the foundation um, that guarantees the survival of Am Yisrael um, until this very day and up until the end of days. This is what is meant when the Mishnah in Perkei Avot says, Im en kemach in Torah. If there is no kemach, kemach means flower or sustenance. If there is no sustenance, then there is no Torah. But at the same time, im en Torah en kemach. If there is no Torah, then there is no, no flower. So this statement begs the question, the Torah scholars who accepted upon themselves the yoke of Torah and removed themselves from the worldly endeavors and pleasures and, and business, how were they able to engage in Torah study? Imen kemach and Torah. How can, they, how, how can you have Torah if you don't even have kemach? And, uh, and, and the, on the other side, conversely, those people who engage in business and commerce to support their family, uh, how are they able to succeed? Because it says imen Torah and kemach. You need Torah in order to have, uh, in order to have kemach. So um, we know that, that even businessmen need to partake in some sort of Torah. So how can the small amount of Torah that they, that they learn enable them to accumulate ample sustenance? So the answer to both, of, to both of these questions is related to that partnership between Yisachar and Zebulun of Jews who engage in business and commerce to support their families, okay, are also obliged to support Tamidei Chachamim. The people who are sitting and studying Torah, who accepted upon themselves all Torah, the yoke of Torah, and as their reward, it's considered like as if they, um, uh, they also engaged in Torah study. And that's actually how the halacha reads in Shulchan Aruch, one that we quoted here uh, a few weeks ago in the early Minyan, Shulchan Aruch in Yore uh, De'ah, Siman Reish Mem Vav, Sif Aleph writes, Kol Ish Yisrael Chayav Betalmud Torah, every man is obligated to study Torah, ben Ani ben Ashir, whether he's poor, whether he's rich, ben Shalem ben Gufo ben Bali Surim, whether he's healthy or he is or he suffers from affliction, ben Bahur ben Zaken Gadol, whether he's young or he's old, Afilo Ani Amechazer al Petahim, even if he is a poor person who's knocking on doors, Afilo Bali Shao Banim, even if he has wife and children, Chayav Likwa Lo, Zman Netalmu Torah, Bayom Ubalayla, he has to set times to learn Torah day and night. Shneemar Vagita Boy Yoman Balayla, that's the Pasuk says in Yoshua. And if a person is impossible for him to learn, because he may not know what to do and how to learn, or because he's overburdened, says the Shulchan Aruch, I got a solution for you. Provide, support other people who study. And that, that, that counts, says the Ramah, that money that you give to the Torah scholar, while he's learning, is as if you were learning. You have no idea how to open up a Gemara, you have no idea what a Mishnah says, or a Chumash, Rashi, nothing. But you give a person who's studying some money, $100 here, buy, go, buy, go buy your wife something nice, go, go, you know, something, a better dinner on a Thursday night, okay, for you to help support him. There you go. It's as if you learn Torah, his Torah specifically. So when Zebulun engages in business and supports Yisachar, who, who studies Torah to provide him with kemach, with the sustenance, they become partners in the Torah study. 
And that's for the, the, the teaching of the Mishnah applies to both of them. The Kemach, the business endeavors of Zevulun, assists that Yisachar. And in return, the Torah of Yisachar assists the Kemach, the business endeavors of Zevulun. Um, you know, to, to really appreciate how special this partnership is, we just have to focus the, on the Brachot of Akola Avinu and Moshe Rabbeinu before they passed away. They both uh, make it a point to emphasize the importance of the partnership. And because of Zevulun's role in the partnership, that support of Torah scholars is so important and essential that Moshe Rabbeinu and Yaakov, both of them, or Yaakov and Moshe, both bless Zevulun before Yisachar. Even though Yisachar was born first, but they bless Zevulun uh, first um, because of how important that, uh, that is. I saw a couple of beautiful ideas uh, brought down by Rabbi Friend. Um, he, he notices uh, an, an unbelievable remez in Parashat Mas'eh. Uh, the, the, sorry, in Parashat Bamidbar, I take that back. In Parashat Bamidbar, the Torah describes the order of the flags and the sequence of which the tribes traveled in the, in the Midbar. And there were four camps, uh, each led by a particular tribe, and each tribe had their unique flag. So the first camp, which was on the eastern side, was led by the tribe of Yehuda, and there included the tribes of Yisachar and Zevulun, okay? And then the Pesukim go on to list who were the princes of that tribe and the population. Then you have the tribe of Reuven was in the south, and they oh, he was joined by Shimon and Gad. Then you have the tribe of Ephraim, which was on the west, and that included Menashe and Binyamin. And then Dan was in the north, which included the tribes of Asher and Naphtali. Rabbi Fran quotes Zabala Turim. And he notes uh, an anomaly in, in, in the description of the, of the four camps. Specifically, by three out of the four camps, the Torah describes the, 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 the tribal components as follows. The flag of tribe A is this. Shevet, and then those encamping, uh, encamping next to them, tribe B. Tribe C. The only time where the, the Vav is missing, the letter AND is missing, is by the tribe of Zevulun. If you look at it, everywhere it says, Umate uh, God, Umate Shimon, Uma, Uma, but by, by Zevulun, who is alongside Yisachar and, and uh, Yehuda, it does not say Umate Zevulun, it just says Mate Zevulun, the tribe of, of Zevulun. So Baal Turin asks, why is this the case? And most of us, as, as Baal Koreh, probably realize, you don't figure that out. Only the Baal Turin can see this. And he says the reason is because the tribe of Zebulun was that that supported Yisachar, and the Torah did not want to give the impression that they were subordinate to Yisachar, and described their, um, and, and, and therefore they, they described their encampment as something independent. Mate Zebulun. Okay, meaning I'm not secondary to Yisachar. Yisachar umate Zevulun. No, Zevulun was co-equal to Yisachar. They shared equal reward in their respective efforts of uh, building the Jewish people. I thought that was a beautiful, beautiful idea. So when you when you pay attention to Yaakov and his blessing to Zevulun, Zevulun lechof yamin mishkon, implying that his livelihood would be at the seashore. What's the connection between Zevulun's role as Yisachar's benefactor? and the livelihood being at the seashore specifically. We see thousands of Torah, uh, Torah supporters nowadays that uh, throughout the, even throughout the generations that were examples of Zebulun's 
um, way of life and supporting Torah scholar, but their livelihood was not associated with the with the ocean and with the with the ships. So, what exactly? How, how are we to explain this? So, again, an, an, another idea that was brought down um, again through by Rabbi Friend, and then we'll go a little bit deeper. You know, you look at each camp had their own flag, like we said specifically, and one you know on each flag was a tribe symbol. So Yehuda's flag had the symbol of a lion because that represented kingship. Yisachar was about the moon and the stars, being that the scholars were able to um, understand the astronomical ideas and uh, and concepts, knowledge necessary to determine when the Rosh Chodesh was. Dan was a snake. Zebulun, his flag was a boat. That was his flag. It was a boat, and it makes sense because. Uh, because for one reason, his portion of land was along the coast of, uh, of Israel, um, but also because they were merchants. They were merchants, and they were in the import and export business. And now, nowadays, the import and export business, you sit behind a computer, and you just trade emails, and you negotiate good prices, okay, whether to import or to export, whatever uh, you are doing, and uh, you're behind a phone or a computer. Uh, Zebulun did it the hard way. Zebulun had to get on boats, Okay, and he used to sail the seas, and he had to go to a foreign land, and he had to buy the merchandise, and then he sold it at various ports, and that's how he earned his living to support uh, Yisachar. So you have to ask the question. He says, Zebulun is such an amazing person. He supports his brother Yisachar. Why did he need to go and make his living through such a dangerous, difficult fashion? Um, not only in ancient times was, was traveling by sea something dangerous, even nowadays, fishermen have a very hard time obtaining a, a life insurance, Right? I think they have a, a television show, I believe, right? They have, uh, the, what's it called? Deadliest Catch, I think it's called. The Deadliest Catch, where people go out there and you know, people have died. People have died on, on, these, on these ships. There's storms. People are thrown overboard. It's a dangerous pr- profession. Zevulun is a tzaddik. He supported his brother Yisachar. You know, Zevulun could have been a lawyer, could have been a doctor, could have been a guy behind his desk, okay, making lots of money, trading stocks, whatever. You know, there's so many things he could have done. Why do you need to be a merchant marine? Why do you need a person to risk his life every single day? What Jewish profession, says Rabbi Friend, is a sailor? <laughs> Nowadays, like, come on. So why did that, why did that, such a righteous tribe have such a very difficult way of living? So Rabbi Friend quotes Rabbi David Feinstein, and uh, he passed away not long ago. And he, said, he once said a, a, a beautiful chidush. Uh, he said the Gemara Masechet Nida um, says that all sailors, all sailors are tzaddikim, are pious. And um, this, this the, the, the meaning of it is that when a person is on a boat, person is on a boat, first of all, I want to take that back. I don't, I know, I don't know if it was Rav David Feinstein that, uh, that passed away. I don't know Rav Ruben. I could be wrong. So I, I don't want to, want to take that back. All right? Well, we'll confirm later. If he's alive, I hope, we, I, I wish him well. <laughs> um, so, uh, so when a person is on a boat, when a person is on a boat, he doesn't know if he's going to survive. And therefore, all of a sudden, he realizes how difficult making a living is. And he becomes aware of HaKadosh Baruch Hu instantaneously. He becomes more pious. He knows how dangerous it is. He knows how scary, how scary it is. And he knows in a matter of minutes, things can go from a very calm ocean and they can lose everything whether his life or even not his life, but all, all of his uh, possessions. In such a situation, he becomes more God-fearing and becomes, he, 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 he understands what religion is all about. So this is why Zevulun had the job of 
of supporting the brother. Such a person knows who really pro- provides the parnasah. When a person sits behind the desk and receives the same paycheck over and over and over again, okay? Yeah, look at all the work I'm doing. I'm here. I'm comfortable. Now, all of a sudden, you're being asked to go and support somebody else and give your hard-working money to someone else? Ah, come on. Like, okay, what? I worked hard for this money. What? I got to give it to somebody else, right? You know, I, I should give you the check that I, I earned to, to, you know, to support somebody. Let him go. Let him go and work. I worked hard for this money. But when a person is a sailor, or a person sails the high seas and knows how scary it is and how difficult it is, he knows that only Akados Baruch provides a parnasa. He knows it. He knows much more than anybody else. So he's much more uh, uh, easygoing. And, and not only easygoing, yes, here, I'll take you. You need support? Here's my money. Because I know what it is. I know it's not me. It's Akados Baruch I don't earn the money. I'm just a messenger. I'm a conduit. Right? I'm a bank. I'm holding the money for Yisachar. So since the, the Shevet Zebulun was the one that supported Yisacharu, so that very reason, yes, he had to be the merchant marine. He had to be the person on the seashore because it's a type of profession who really, who really appreciates um, HaKadosh Baruch Hu in providing him the Parnassah. Um, I want to take this a step deeper based on the words of, of Rav Pinchas Friedman, who we, who we study on Thursday night. Um, a, a little deeper message of what exactly was happening in Yaakov's blessing um, with um, to to Zevulun. there's a story in Masechet Tanit. We just finished Masechet Tanit recently in Dafyomi, uh, Kaf Aleph Amud Aleph. An amazing story between two Amuraim. One of them was named Ilfa, and the second one was named Rabbi Yohanan. And they were both studying in the yeshiva, but they were very poor. They were destitute. They didn't have any parnasah. So he decided that, okay, we're going to stop learning and we're going to go start a business. We're going to go out into the world and we're going to engage in commerce. Um, and, uh, and, you know, fulfilling, the Gemara says, fulfilling the Pasuk, there shall be no destitute among you. They felt that they had to do, make an effort not to be poor. So Gemara relates that they were sitting, taking a break, and they were, they were sitting alongside a wall that was unstable while they were eating. And there, Rabbi Yochanan overheard a conversation of two angels. He overheard a conversation. One of the angels said, let's bring down the wall and kill them both. Because they're forsaking life in Olam Abba. They're forsaking the life of studying Torah, which is going to re- bring you reward in Olam Abba, in favor of indulging in temporary earthly matters, Olam Hazir. That's what one angel said. The second angel responded, Leave them alone. Don't bring the wall down on them because one of them is going to rise to greatness and it's not yet his time to die. This is what the second angel said. So now, Rabbi Yochanan heard this. He goes, hey, buddy, did you just hear that? He tells the Ilfa, did you just hear that conversation? And Ilfa didn't hear. He goes, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't hear anything. So Rabbi Yochanan concluded, since I was the one that heard the conversation and not Ilfa, it must be that I was being notified from Shamayim that I got to go back and I have to improve. So Rabbi Yochanan said to Ifa, listen, I'm going back to Yeshiva and I know, um, I know that, you know, it's not what we went out for, but there will always be poor people on earth, okay? And in Torah study, the, the studies of Torah have to continue, uh, even under desperate conditions, even under poverty. Ilfa did not go back with Rabbi Yochanan and he went out to go engage in business. When Ilfa came back after a few months of business, 
Rabbi Yochanan had already risen to greatness, like the like the angel said. He was appointed the Rosh Shiva, and as Rosh Shiva, they give you like the status of like a king. You know, it was they provide him with a lot of money. Um, you know, and uh, you know he was doing very well. And the the, the locals told Ilfa, they told him, listen, had you stayed and you studied Torah and not gone into business, Rabbi Yochanan would not have been appointed. Because you would have been appointed to Rosh Hashiva. And Rashi says that Ilfa was, was surpassed Rabbi Yochanan as a Torah scholar. He was wiser. He had a, a deeper understanding of a lot of the concepts. He would have been the one appointed. Now, that's a big criticism to Ilfa. So Ilfa got a little bit insulted. So he issued a challenge. Basically, he goes, what, you think, uh, you think I don't know anything anymore? So he went on the mast of a ship, and he stood there and balanced himself. And he said, if anybody can ask me a Torah-related question that I cannot answer, I will allow myself to fall from the mast of this ship and drown in the sea. And Rashi basically says he wanted to display to everybody there that my scholarship still remains superior to that of Rabbi Ohanan. Um, and that's really the end of the story. Uh, thankfully, I guess he was able to answer questions. But what, what exactly was this challenge that Ilfa was trying to show them? You know, uh, clearly he didn't intend to 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 kill himself. Um, the Torah explicitly says, So what is happening over here? So Rav Friedman has an, un, an unbelievable thought about this story. And he says that these two angels were sent to Rabbi Yochanan Ilfa. HaKadosh Baruch Hu arranged it specifically that Rabbi Yochanan was the one to hear while Ilfa not. And as a result, Rabbi Yochanan returned to the Ben Midrash to study. He was elevated to position of Rosh Hashiva, became wealthy. Ilfa continued his, his quest to find a suitable business. And the Gemara Masech Makot says, Baderech she'adam rotse lelechba molichinoto. That uh, uh, the, way that the, the, the way that a man wants to go Molichinoto, they lead him. The Maharsha asks a question. Why is it written Molichin Oto in plural? Molichim is they. They direct him on that path. And he says that every thought of man, every utterance, every action that a man does generates an angel. It's a malach. And if he performs a good mitzvah, then there's a good malach that's generated. If he performs an avera, then there's a bad malach that's generated. So molichinoto, that's the implication of molichinoto. Those malachim were generated by a specific desire or thought to assist him to complete what he began. So when you go to the story of Ilfan and Rabbi Yochanan, they both said at that time, let us go and find a business. They left yeshiva and they, both of them said, we want to go find a business because we can't be poor. So now both had pure intentions. Uh, they wanted to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu better, but they realized that, that the poverty made it difficult for them. So these two angels were generated, one by Ilfa's remark, one of them by Rabbi Yochanan's remark. Now, the Marsha said, we quoted, that malachim that, that are generated by positive, well-intended statements assist a person to better serve Hashem. So the malach that was generated by Ilfa's remark he wanted to prevent him from abandoning the walls of the yeshiva to go and engage in business. So there, uh, and, and, and it seems that Rabbi Yochanan's uh, angel wanted to do the same. So Ilfa's, Ilfa's angel told Rabbi Yochanan, listen, let's, what's better? What's better? That, that, that they, they go in business and, and they lose everything because there's a big risk, as we're going to see? 
or, or, or you know, let, let's drop the wall on them and end it right now. Let's prevent them from for, forsaking, uh, for forsaking Torah study in favor of earthly commercial endeavors. And they will die innocently and they won't die guilty. This is what the angel was thinking. Rabbi Yochanan's angel, his angel, knew that it was already ordained from Shemaim that Rabbi Yochanan was going to be the next Rosh Hashiva. And therefore, and, that, and he also knew that, uh, that it was ordained that Ilfa was going to be a successful businessman. So therefore, not just a businessman, a businessman that was going to direct other people to engage in commerce properly, uh, uh, following the law, and as well support those who study Torah. And they'll follow his example in, in doing so. So therefore, the angel of, of uh, uh, Rabbi Yochanan said wisely, to the Ilfa's angel, listen, let them be. Don't collapse this wall because it's not their time to die. In fact, one of them is going to rise uh, to great to 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 greatness. Meaning, he intentionally didn't inform Ilfa's angel that it was Rav Yochanan who was to be promoted because he wanted to assume that maybe it was Ilfa who was going to be promoted, right? Because if he told him that Rav Yochanan is the one that's going up. So he said, okay, so let me kill Ilfa. I'll drop the wall on Ilfa. I don't want him going. No, no, no. He just said, one of them is going to be promoted. Let the angel think it's Ilfa. And then, okay, let, let, now let him go choose. In the end of the day, both of them rose to greatness. Rabbi Yochanan was crowned Rosh Hashiva. Ilfa became the guide of those to, who were fulfilling what, what Zebulun's to fulfill, combining Torah study with worldly endeavors. And therefore, the will of Akadosh Baruch Hu was fulfilled. Now, why did Rabbi Yochanan merit this? Why him? Rav Yochanan merited hearing the Malach over Ilfa, um, who stopped him from abandoning the Bet, Amid, uh, Bet Midrash. This is based in a different Midrash found in Midrash Shira Shirim. There also the rabbis relate a remarkable story of Rav Yochanan's self-sacrifice for a study of Torah. That once Rav Yochanan used to travel from uh, Tiberia to Tzipori, and Rabbi Chia Bar Abba would, uh, would support him allowing him to lean on, uh, on his shoulder. And they came to a particular field. And Rabbi Yochanan said, you see, you see that field? That used to belong to me. But I sold it so I can go study Torah. And he kept on walking. You see that vineyard? That used to belong to me. But I sold it so I can keep on studying Torah. Ah, you see that field of olives? That used to belong to me. But I sold it so I can study Torah. All these things you see, he used to own. So Rabbi Chia, hearing this, began to cry. Rabbi Yochanan said, why are you crying? Rabbi Chia says, Rabbi says, I'm crying because you didn't, you didn't leave anything for yourself. You, you know, you're here, you're, 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 you're suffering out of poverty, and you didn't leave anything for yourself. And Rabbi Yochanan, when Rabbi Yochanan actually passed away, what did the Chachamim say out of respect for him? They quoted the Pasuk in, in Shira Shirim. Where a man to offer all the treasures of his home in exchange for love, because Rabbi Yochanan loved the Torah, they would surely scorn him. The Rashaim will for sure make fun of this guy. What an idiot. He gives me everything. Um, but Rabbi Yochanan understood what, what, it, what it meant. So this is the reason why Rabbi Yochanan actually merited hearing the Malach and not that of, uh, uh, of Ilfa. You know, that angel prevented him from leaving the walls of the Bet, Bet Midrash. He was promoted to Rosh Hashiva. He was entitled to a, a, res, a respectful livelihood as well. And this all became because he sold all of his possessions so he can continue studying Torah. He didn't leave anything for him even for his old age. 
like the Mishnah Perkabot says, Kola Mekayem Eta Torah Meoni, so Fole Kayma Meoshet. Whoever fulfills the Torah in, uh, in a state of poverty will ultimately fulfill in a state of, uh, of wealth. So now maybe we can have a better idea of the challenge of Ilfa. Ilfa climbed up to the top of that ship, to the mast, and said boldly, I'm prepared to answer any question, any Torah-related inquiry, and if I don't, I'm ready to jump off this ship and drown. The Shalah Kadosh says that there's a very important principle when it comes to business and commerce, uh, or the outside outside the walls of the Ben Midrash. And I read you, um, he, he quotes Sefer Haredim, which says, Ha'olam yam so'ir, that this world is a stormy sea. A person must imagine that he's floating. He should raise his head upwards towards his maker. And be careful. Lest he swallows the treacherous waters that enter his mouth. And protect himself from the waves that threaten him. And if he doesn't, he is responsible for his own demise. This is what this Seva uh, Haradim says, which is actually also said by David Amelech in Teilim. And Hashem not been with us when men rose up against us. They would have swallowed us alive. When their anger flared up against us, then the waters would have inundated us, the current would have surged across our soul. Then, then the waters would have surged across our soul, the treacherous waters. So, meaning all the ordeals, all the trials and tribulations, everything that we experience in this world in Olam Azeh is represented by the treacherous waters that a Jew is liable to drown if he doesn't acknowledge the key to survival. The Rabbeinu Bechayeh says that why do we refer to Olam Hazeh as Hateva? Hateva, Mother Nature. This word, Mother Nature, is because Hateva comes from the root Tava. Litvoa means to drown. If a person is not careful in this world, Chas Shalom, he can, he can drown and he can sink in the natural order of Olam, uh, Olam Hazeh. You fail to see how God is running things. And therefore, you just you think it's yourself. There's so many ways that you can drown in this world, and um, and that's a reason why nature is referred to this name, because a person can descend to the, the to the depths of of despair and suffering if he's not cognizant about what's around him, like a person who falls into the depths of the sea and doesn't know how to swim, and he drowns. So, what's the solution? Says the Sefer Haredim. Says the Shachadosh. You got to keep your head above water. Hence today's tonight's title. You got to keep your head above water. You have to raise your head above towards Hakadosh Baruch Hu, which means what? You have to engage in the study of the Torah, and by exercising your brain and your intellect, that's what you're keeping your head above water, looking to Hashem, so that your brain comprehends and fathoms what He's learned. By doing so, you're able to um, save yourself from the Ma'ima Zedonim, the treacherous waters. And that guarantees a person that he won't, he won't drown in the waters of, of Hateva, of this world. And that only, only will come true, assuming that he doesn't swallow the Ma'im Hazedonim. In other words, he has to take care of his matters in Olam Hazed, such as uh, um, not eating forbidden foods, not speaking Lashonara, right? Anything that is 
uh, other types of corruption that has to do with the mouth. It goes on to, to, uh, to describe other, other areas. So now let's go back to this unbelievable, profound wisdom of Yaakov Avinu in his blessing to Zebulun. Zebulun lechof yamin mishkon. Zebulun shall dwell by the seashores. Yisachar was the pillar of Torah who studies Torah day and night. He's afforded protection. We know he's afforded protection because he's in the walls of the Beit HaMidrash. He's not outside in the world uh, risking his life drowning in the Maim Zedonim. It's not something that, he, that he's even exposed to. Um, uh, he's not part of Hateva. He's not there in nature. Zebulun, on the other hand, he's engaging in business. He's got commerce. He's, he's buying and selling, import and exporting. So he is in constant danger of drowning in the waters of Hateva. And that's what, that's what the, the Pesukim later on in Sefer Devarim warn us. Be careful that you don't forget God. Because what's going to happen? We've quoted this many times. You're going to build beautiful homes. You're going to have a lot of cattle and sheep. Lots of money. Everything you have is going to grow in abundance. And then you become arrogant. You're going to forget God who took you out of Egypt. You're going to say in your heart, Yeah, it was me. I'm the one who did this. See this empire? See this business that I created? Multi-million dollars? Yeah, it's all me. And not, and not God. Therefore, you have to remember, he's the one that gave you that strength to make, to make wealth. So that prompted Yaakov Avinu to bless Zevulun. Zevulun lechof yamim mishkon. Zevulun is going to dwell by the seashores. Uh, Rashi says, he's constantly going to find himself by the shores of the ship, at the side of the harbor, where ships bring merchandise. Yaakov wanted Zevulun to, to look at the, at the boats. He wanted him to comprehend the function, the task of the ships. What is the purpose of the ship that sails the sea? They transport, they transport people and merchandise from place to place and prevent people from drowning in the stormy seas. You're on a boat. If you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean, you're dead. You can't survive. That's the whole purpose of the ship. I want you to stand on the shore and I want you to look at the ships constantly. That's a constant reminder to Zevulun that he's also in danger of drowning in the deep, treacherous waters of Maima Zedonim Vateva. So it's imperative that Zevulun find himself a reliable vessel to help him navigate those dangerous waters. In other words, what? You have to set times to study Torah, raising your head above, uh, above the water. Um, and uh, the, the main lesson, of course, is that even someone who engages in business uh, unrelated to the seashore still has to learn the lesson of the boat. They have to learn what's implied by Yaakov's bracha to, to Zevulun. You have to be aware that wherever you're, you're, you are engaged in commercial endeavors, you are, you are suspended above these, these treacherous waters. And the only way to prevent yourself from drowning is, to clinging, is by clinging to the Torah, either by devoting a time, day and night to actually study, or to, to do what Zevulun was set out to do, which is to support the Torah scholars, is to give money to people who spend their time in the walls of the Bemidrash, who are avoiding the world of Teva, the, the Maim Zedonim. And that's really what Ilfa's profound message was when he came back after those months and he saw Rabbi Yochanan and all the Bachurei Yeshiva, and they were criticizing him, ah, if you would have stayed here 
you would have been the guy. And he wanted to prove to his naysayers that even when he was traveling by ship, even when he was conducting business over these last few months, navigating these dangerous waters, he never forgot that vital lesson that a person has to always study Torah not to drown. And by hanging on to that mass of the ship and challenging the people, challenging them, ask me any question, I will answer to you. He was hinting to them that he didn't forget that lesson of Yaakov Abinu even for a single moment. He understood that anybody who neglects the study of Torah is in constant danger of, of drowning in the waters of Olam Azeh. So yes, Ilfa left the Bet Midrash to go seek a livelihood, but at the same time he remained um, engrossed in Torah and he was capable of answering uh, any question. We live in a, in a world where we, uh, we, what can we say, we constantly find ourselves you know, thinking more and more of, of what we've accomplished and, and associating it less, less with God. If you pay attention to any, uh, all the major mitzvot that have to do with, uh, with Parnassa, there's always this idea of raising our hands. You know, when we say, okay, which is clearly a pasuk that we have to have a lot of kavana and concentration. And if you don't have concentration, you have to go, you have to go repeat, go back and say it. That's a pasuk that has to do with only parnasa. There's so many different hidden allusions in, in, in that pasuk, right? And we open our hands. We're not opening our hands because we, it says, person that thinks that, 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 that's not the reason why. We open our hands because our hands are facing upwards. Because we understand that the parnasa is coming from, that's where the beracha comes from. The other, another place where we, we see this concept is netilat yadayim. When we wash our hands, netilat yadayim, because we are about to eat bread, bread which represents this idea of parnasa and our livelihood and our sustenance. The halacha states, uh, for many reasons, that after you wash your hands, you lift your hands up, right? And then again, many people have the custom also to, to recite, right? Uh, right? And they say, Baruch Hashem, while their hands are raised, when the Kohanim are giving their blessing to daily to, to the congregants in the Bet Knesset, their, their, their hands are like this. It's, it, they are the medium. They are the conduits in providing the blessing. The blessing is coming from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So whenever we see this idea of, of, of Parnassah and livelihood, we, we always have to remember, you know, the, the ultimate source. The ultimate source. The Beracha. The Beracha is a, is a, Berecha, is a pool. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has an ocean of blessing next to him. And he's just providing it to each one exactly with with uh, with what they need and the the faster and sooner we come to that realization then the happier we are going to live the the uh, the faster we'll come to the recognition that our entire life is full of, full of blessing the 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 less worry and anxiety that we're going to have because the more and the more and the more that people have the more they think that it's theirs perkavot says my ben nechasim my ben deaga the more uh, the more uh, you know, things that you own, you know, the more furniture, the more cars, the more this, you know, the more worry. All it is is more worry, right? So understanding that it comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, always maintaining a connection to Him, whether it is through the study of the Torah, 
day, a little bit a day, a little bit at night, or supporting the Torah is, is me displaying and showing to God, listen, you gave me this amount of money, and I'm going to take this money, I'm going to support, and I'm going to go support somebody who is who is hanging out, who is there in, in the Bet Midrash, and he's, he's totally excluding himself from society in Hateva, because I feel this is, is important. It may, the study of Torah every day is not for everybody. Clearly, it's not for everybody. Right? Most most people on on, on most Jewish people do not sit in the Ben Midrash and study all day. But you gotta always remember that that idea. What we don't want is Veshachta Hashem and God forbid you for, you forget God because because your heart became arrogant and you thought that it was only you. So Bezat Hashem, the faster that we come to to that idea and that realization, um, the happier our lives will be. And whether you are a Rabbi or Hanan or whether you're an Ilfa. The decision is yours to make. Both of them rose to tremendous heights because this was a partnership already stemmed from the time of Yaakov Avinu, of Yisachar, and, and Zebulun. This was something that is fundamental to our existence as Jews and for the world to continue. And Bezrat Hashem, as this, uh, this partnership continues to flourish and continues to thrive and continues to progress, we just take steps and steps closer to the ultimate redemption of the coming of Mashiach. I want to wish everybody a wonderful night. We're going to take a, a couple weeks break and we'll return after uh, after the holidays. Wishing everybody an amazing night.